should be able to pick up both of these easily. I'm guessing for around 70 bucks, right? So uh, let me see back in the past book section. Who reads books anymore? Okay, um, into the DVD section. Oh, no, FFFF Fringe. Okay, season one. Uh, $60? You got to be kidding me. My wife only gives me an allowance of $75. There's no way I'm going to be able to pick up Fringe. Well, what's Dollhouse? $50 for Dollhouse? It's only half a season. 13 episodes. Give me a break. I'm not going to get... I can't get any of these. I get one, but I want both. <sighs> Wait a minute. What's that? Uh, hello? You mean I can get both of these for $70? Where, now, where's that? MySciFiStore.com MySciFiStore.com It enables me to get both of these for 70 bucks. I'm going there. Screw cards and bubble. I'm out of here. MySciFiStore.com Saving you money from here to the end of the universe. Welcome to the Dining at the End of the Universe podcast, where we serve up all sorts of spicy conversations of the latest science fiction movies and television shows that we are watching. If you want to find out more about Dining at the End of the Universe, please visit DiningAtTheEndOfTheUniverse.com. Welcome to the Diner. Welcome to Dining at the End of the Universe, the podcast where we talk about all things sci-fi. And I'm I'm one of your hosts here, Scott. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we, of course, are thrilled to be here with you tonight. We have an exciting show for you, talking about shore leave, obviously, mm-hmm. we're there. Tons of news stories coming along. Mm-hmm. Warehouse 13, there's Harry Potter... There's John Carter from Mars. What else do we have in our news? Did I miss? Uh, Transformers. We talked about Transformers. Oh, yeah. We talked about them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Some great news stories we have coming up for you, so stick around for those. As always, this, we record the show in an ACC format that if you're listening to in your iPod or, I, or uh, iPhone or a device that allows you to skip through chapters, you can do that. Um, and we are basically taking a look back at the con tonight. That's really what we're doing. Yeah. How are you doing, Miles? What have you been, uh, what have you been up to, Sci-Fi, other than the convention? Well, um, basically, w- Monday what I did was... Uh, um, you recuperated. I recuperated because I was exhausted. Because um, yeah, we went full tilt. I mean, it, we were at the, we, if we weren't in a session, we were interviewing, basically. Right. We felt like we were part of the con in that sense. I mean, yeah. we, we had the opportunity. And we really were. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I mean, we were we had got to interview some great guests. And we're we, going to bring them to you. We're excited to do that. We're mm-hmm. going to start doing that next week. We got to interview some um, uh, some of the fans, some of the uh, the uh, the fan clubs that were there, 
and uh, just a lot of good things that happened at this convention. Yeah, most definitely. Anyways, totally excited about uh, everything that happened uh, at the con, and we'll be going about that mm-hmm. a little bit more. Uh, don't forget, we do have a store that you can visit, com, and you can go and pre-order Dollhouse. comes out on July 28th. And if you pre-order at Amazon, you can get it for about 30 bucks, which is an incredible price for a Season 1 DVD collection. Two uh, episodes extra you're going to be getting, the final episode, episode 13, Epitaph, they call mm-hmm. it. And then the original pilot, which I didn't know about till we talked to Miracle Laurie. But it is on there if you look at it. So, uh, and we did get to talk to Miracle Laurie. That was, uh, yeah. we, had, we had a good time. And we on. will be talking to her next week. You will mm-hmm. hear that interview airing next week. We got a lot of goodness coming next week. Next week is going to be our silver anniversary, Miles. Episode 25. Episode 25. It's it's going to be good. We're, I'm excited about it. We have a lot of new and nifty changes. Have nifty changes. How do you like that? Um, a lot of new changes coming for us uh, here at the... Uh, Dining at the the Universe podcast. Mm -hmm. And um, so be looking for that. We have some new things coming into the show. And we're excited about it. I think you're going to like it. I think you guys are going to like it. And um, if you go to, if you go to, if you actually visit the Dining at the Universe.com website, are also uh, able to get there through the sci fi guys.com website, which will take you to our show notes. You're going to see evidence of it all over the place because I already changed it on the four on, on the actual pages, um, but uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of that stuff next week. It's a good time to be a sci-fi. fan. It is a great time to be a podcasting sci-fi fan, mm-hmm. and we're excited just by what we're doing, uh, what we're doing here, and um, it's, it's, it's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. And uh, so next week we're going to be bringing Miracle Laurie and a ton of other changes here on our 25th anniversary. And we're excited. 25 shows have come and gone. It's gone fast. It has. And it's, it's gone good. Mm-hmm. We've liked it. Enjoyed it. We hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. As always, if you have any comments about the show or just want to contribute your thoughts or review to the show, you can give us a call at 188-508-4343. And uh, you can uh, also email them in to zogpod at gmail.com. Uh, well, we had a trivia question last week, didn't we? We did. And, and what was the trivia question from last week? Okay. I asked the listeners for uh, in the 1986 uh, Transformers movie that was based on the TV series, uh, there was a famous Star Trek actor who uh, provided his voice uh, for one of those characters. I asked, um, what was the actor's name and what was the character he played? And the answer was... Leonard Nimoy, who played the resurrected Megatron, who became Galvatron. Galvatron. And we had a winner last Mm -hmm. night, so this guy scores geek cred. I put this question out on Twitter as a part of the show, like I typically do. Mm -hmm. And uh, five seconds he answered it. It was quick. (laughs) I don't know. He must have been on Twitter at the time. He was like, the first thing he said was, um, Leonard Nimoy. Then I was like, what character? Galvatron. And then he ends up, he owns a movie, apparently, and, and watches it, like, daily. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. But, uh, so, tons of geek cred go to you, Mr. Jimbo Lamb, and you can follow him at, under Mr. Lamb at, on Twitter. So, so anyways, that's, uh, that's about all for show news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, seriously, tune in next week. We have some good, good stuff coming up. Some stuff that's coming up and we're excited about. I guess that's it. Let's move into our show news. Let's do it.
In news tonight, this afternoon, this morning, whenever you're listening to this podcast, we have, of course, Transformers. No surprise here that it continues. It finished. It continues to do well at the box office. It finished third after two weekends in the number one spot. Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen took in an estimated twenty-four million. Still good. There's some movies that only do that out in the first week. And um, for July tenth uh, weekend, raising its domestic haul to three hundred and thirty-nine million, uh, which is incredible. It surpassed the original. So that's pretty cool. That's good for a sequel. I mean, uh, oh, we're definitely getting a Transformers sequel. There's right. no question about that. But this is a, just. I would just think just for a sequel in general to make that kind of money and surpass the original movie is you know that that's got to make the powers that be in Hollywood happy. Yeah. Yep. All hail, mm-hmm. all hail Hollywood. I don't know. It's it's a, it's a um, it certainly bodes well for them and bodes well for the cast. As far as uh, the third picture, which I know they were talking about before the movie even came out, right? But um, definitely, we're definitely going to get another one. The question is, will Michael Bay be helming it? Right. We will see. We mm-hmm. will see. In uh, Caprica news, Caprica writer Jane um, Espenson tweeted that uh, her former Buffy the Vampire Slayer co-writer uh, Drew Z uh, Greenberg has joined the writing staff of the sci-fi Battlestar Galactica prequel series. So um, very cool. Uh, this well. And being that Buffy was a Joss Whedon production, hopefully we're going to get some good writing in the next. Right, uh, right. We have so we have a little bit of Whedon bleeding into the uh, Moore universe, and uh, hey, you combine those two talents, it's incredible. It, it should make for some good shows. Yeah, yep, yep. It should. Harry Potter set the midnight box office record, which is no surprise. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it will be the weekend. And you will probably go on to see it if you're going to go see it. But it did really well. In fact, it not only did well, it broke. It easily scored the biggest midnight gross of all time. $22.2 million it raked in. It beat the initial or the, uh, the, the, the original forerunner of $18 million, which was, of course, The Dark Knight. And then $17 million earned by Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Notice... That all these movies are sci-fi, right? Um, the, the sci-fi movies, fantasy genres—that's that's where the money is right yeah, now. It is, and of course, the people have been waiting for this Potter film. In fact, it goes on to say there's a lot of pent-up demand among the Potter files. Got to be careful how you say that. Yeah, <laughs> Potter files. Um, You're a Potter file. I'm a Potter file. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, who have who have had to do without the installment of their blood franchise for two years? <gasps> wow! And the Trekkies have been going much longer than that, though. But anyways, the uh, last chapter uh, grossed twelve million in the midnight runs, and so this was kind of a cool thing. So there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about it, mm-hmm. a lot of talk on uh, the airwaves about it. I guess it's going to be good. Are you going to see Potter? Are you going to be a Potterphile? I'm not a Potterphile. I did see one of the movies. I'm trying to remember what the last one was. Um, uh, that would be The Order of the Phoenix. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I haven't even re- Have you ever read any of the books? Number one. Okay. I haven't even read any of the books yet. Um, uh, I, I mean, I've, you know, for people who, who've read them, have said nothing but good things about them. But um, 
Um, I'll probably wait till it comes out on DVD. There's just so much out there right now. Here's the reality. You have such a limited time on this earth, and uh, there's only so much you can read and only so much you can actually watch. And so some of this is going to go by the wayside. Yeah. And if you like Potter and you're listening to this podcast, we want to hear what you think of Potter, what you really think of the Potter movie. Mm-hmm. You probably won't get a full-scale review from us, but we'll be talking about what other people are saying about it. And if we watch it sometime, maybe a year down the road, you'll get uh, our Potter review. But right now, we are not Potter Files. No, I just want to continue. I'm going to name the, the episode Potterfile. Potterfile. If you are a vampire fan, um, the uh, latest True Blood episode scores record ratings. Uh, Sunday night's episode of uh, True Blood and, and Finger Pop has drawn record uh, ratings for the series. The record episode of the second season ranked uh, 3.9 million viewers, topping on season opening record by uh, 200,000 viewers. By comparison, True Blood's first season of eight of episodes averaged 2 million viewers. Needless to say, there aren't any questions among HBO execs about the potential for a third season. When you came in the air And every shadow filled up with doubt Um, so I don't know. I, uh, I did not watch a show, but it's obviously been doing really well for them. And, uh, there's really, uh, I don't know. You, have you ever seen any of the episodes? I don't get HBO. So, um, yeah, we've established it before and I haven't taken the time to rent them. I know that season one is out in DVD. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge vampire fan, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I haven't even seen twilight. You know, I know you're going to, people are going to crucify me. I know there's some twilight lovers and my students love twilight. But I have not taken the time to read the novels, although I've heard plenty talk about them and I haven't watched movies. I have watched the Underworld trilogy, but I didn't even watch a Blade trilogy, which I know you have. Yes, I have. Yet to, I, I really enjoyed the Blade trilogy and even the, enjoyed the Blade TV show, which only lasted barely a season. Yeah, so, I, you know, whatever. This is, uh, this is doing well for HBO and, you know, we always love stuff sci-fi, but it's doing well, as you've heard. Right, but I, I just wonder if the whole vampire thing is just going to – it seems like to me it's getting overdone. I was talking to someone at the con this past weekend. They were talking about how difficult it is to publish vampire stories right. because it's a flooded market right now. And I just saw – and I forgive me, I don't remember the title of the show, but again, another trailer on TV, regular cable for another – Vampire romance show. Oh, yeah. Happening this fall, I believe. Yes. Yeah, there is. I saw it. I think it's an ABC show. I want to say The Vampire Diaries. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. We'll have to look it up. And uh, I have seen talk about it, but I uh, forget what it was mm-hmm. talked about. Warehouse 13, on the other hand, we're pumped about the show. Second episode came and went. And I don't know about you, but thumbs up for me. Uh, me too. Um Great uh, first episode. I mean, this is the second episode, but um, no, I, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, it was a great. It was it was the first hour episode. Because first I mean, one hour, you know, the two parter, yeah. I guess, or whatever became the two hour. Uh, I want to say finale premiere mm-hmm. of the show was good. Uh, the thing that made this show great, of course, was Trisha Helfer, uh, Battlestar Galactica <laughs> alumni, and, uh, uh, and and eye candy. Yeah, uh, certainly, at least in Battlestar. Um, she wasn't quite done as sexily, I guess, if you want to ask the word, in this episode, although she was supposedly the love interest of 
of the jock whose name um, we were trying to remember. Did you write that down? Yeah, his name is Pete. The character. Yeah, Pete. Pete Latimer. Latimer, Pete, yeah. Pete Latimer. Latimer uh, was the uh, guy that, um, of course, fell in love with Trisha's character. Mm-hmm. She's not listed here because she was a special guest. But uh, you know, it was it's it was it was a good episode. Absolutely, um, I like where this show is going. I, I, I like the characters. Uh, all of them are very interesting. Um, I think they play off each other very well. The, the possibility, I mean, the the the, the storytelling um, opportunities are endless with this uh, with this show. As far as um, things they're they're finding and things that are causing the, the problems or conflicts or whatever. So, uh, yeah, just another great episode. Um, I like Artie, the guy who was like their supervisor. Oh, he's just uh, great. Yeah, he, he he is. Wait, and there's a lot of people that are obviously agreeing with us because this was the top original cable drama for this past Tuesday too. Not only was it last Tuesday, but this past Tuesday as well uh, for adults 25 to 54. And this is great. So it, not only that, it beat out uh, A&E's The Cleaner and TNT's Hawthorne and TNT's uh, Saving Grace and FX's Rescue Me. So it beat out a, pun, a ton of new shows. Right. And, and it also beat out – it also beat out ABC's Better Off Ted. Mm-hmm. So regular network it beat out for one of the one of the, one of of the the channels. So that's pretty good. They said about 3.4 million total viewers. That's that that's good for summertime. I hey. Mean, hey. And, and for the sci-fi channel. I mean sci-fi channel could be very happy over this. Oh, there's no question Sci-Fi Channel is going to be bonkers about this because, you know, the reality is it, it's good. We they, like it. They we got, like the chemistry. Mm-hmm. I like the story. I like the possibilities of the story. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Um, let's, let's just make that. Let's make, let's make that enough. Listen, it's enough of that. Let's move on to, uh, let's move on to Battlestar here. In Battlestar Galactica news, the season four soundtrack uh, is selling out, and um, the uh, first print of Bear McCurry's Battlestar Galactica season four has sold out in in two weeks prior to its release. La La Land Records are now uh, rushing to print more to keep up with demand. Uh, Battlestar Galactica season four has been the top selling up TV soundtrack for over a month on Amazon, and is currently is the top one hundred music CDs on Amazon, and it's ranked number fifty three. Real good for Battlestar. This is like Battlestar's off the air. Yeah, Battlestar's over, and you know it, it just they said this sold out before it's been released. So um, people still love Battlestar, and uh, this has got to be great for uh, Bear McCurry. I mean, uh, I think this is one of his first projects. Um, Certainly, one of the first ones I've heard him in. He might have done other. We probably should have looked him up on IMDb too, mm-hmm. but but. Yeah. And I would, you know, I remember uh, at the um, uh, Farpoint convention a couple of years ago, uh, Richard Hatch was saying, um, "This man has a limited budget and what he can do." So he he really works, you know, you know, 
he, um, sometimes less less is more, and uh, he, he makes use of what he has. And right. Um, well, and you have to in these shows because they just don't have – not like you're making a major blockbuster and he's done a lot with the music he's had. Right, and, and most of the money is going to paying these actors' salaries and, and, the, and the effect shots and everything. So, uh, but, uh, so what you're saying is it's Richard's Hatch's fault is what you're saying. Probably, yeah. Probably, probably. So if you're listening to the show, it's your fault, Richard. <laughs> but John, uh, John Carter's Amar, of course, we talked about here in the show. The exciting thing for us is that William Defoe joins a cast – you don't know what – there's no word on what role he's actually playing in this Disney adaptation of John Carter of Mars, uh, which means it's going to be somewhat wholesome at least coming from Disney. He will join Taylor Kish from X-Men Origins Wolverine and um, who, has been, who has been cast as a title role of John Carter and Lynn Collins, Silver Fox from the X-Men Origins, who will play Deja Thoris and the Princess of Mars and then Thomas Hayden Church from Spider-Man 3, Idiocracy and Charlotte's Web. He's also rumored to star. So a lot of good stars fronting this movie. I'm kind of excited about this. Is this live action or animation? Uh, I, I, it's not sure. It's likened to James Cameron's Avatar. Okay. Now, we haven't talked about much, that much in the show, but it is that's coming out. So it's likened to somewhat like that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm, um, I'm excited to see it. It's always cool when you see old sci-fi, old sci-fi stories being rebirthed in movies. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. Set to release sometime during 2012, so you can expect us to be talking about that in the future. Of course. And um, not so much right now. Technically, this unit doesn't exist. But if it did, it'd be comprised of the best operatives in the world. And when all else fails... They don't. I want in. Mount up! Standing in front of you, a Delta Six Accelerator suits. Careful, they're worth millions of dollars. Millions of dollars, got it! Bye-bye! Won't have it again! This is General Hawk. The mission is a go. Here they come. Go, go, go! We're running out of time. Eject! Real American heroes. Look at that, was crazy. Uh, what happened to you? I went through the train. What happened to you? I jumped over it. You could do that? G.I. Joe, Rise of the Cobra. Uh, it, now, now we're seeing extended TV spots. Um, it opens... In uh, this country, in, uh, in America and the UK, August the 7th. Uh, Australia, you get to see it a day earlier, August the 6th. I think I'm going to probably check this movie out. Are you? I'm excited. Yeah. I want to I see this. Uh, it's probably the next movie I'm looking forward to. You know, again, Harry Potter, not necessarily my thing so mm-hmm. much. So the next one that I've been kind of looking forward to is... Is it yeah, G.I. Joe? Yeah, G.I. Joe. It seems like it. I, don't, I really don't know what else is coming out in the fall. I think we have 2012 coming out. Uh, the movie 2012 coming out in November, but a lot of, as for sci-fi, there's not a lot of big stuff. A lot of this other stuff has been hyped up for a while. Yeah, so um, maybe there'll be some stuff coming out as District Nine comes out in August. I was just thinking of that one too. Uh, kind of interested in seeing that, but GI mm-hmm. Joe definitely. And of course, if you're a child of the '80s, you kind of grew up with him a little bit. Absolutely, you either you, you got the toys as, as a child, watched the cartoon, uh, and now it's 
Now it's a live action movie. Yeah. Lost. Might get lost or might be telling this guy to get lost. There is a guy that is suing saying he created Lost. Now, before you kind of dismiss him as some quack, he actually is producer of the man from UNCLE and The Last Ninja. And his name's Anthony Spinner. He's claiming he was paid $30,000 to write a TV pilot way back in 1977 that the script became and that his script became lost. Apparently, he sued before, but it got, you know, it got uh, dismissed. I was going to discontinued. Mm-hmm. Dismissed uh, because of uh, something legit in the paperwork or something like that. But listen to the, the some of the similarities between his show and the script uh, and Lost and see if there's not maybe some compelling evidence here. First of all, in his script, there was an airplane headed to Los Angeles, and it crashes into a tropical jungle-like environment. The doctor is the voice for the survivors. The trailblazer challenges the group to accept they're stuck in the island. The stubborn, reluctant semi-hero challenges the leadership of the real leader that has a dark father-son past. Survivor suffers from a drug addiction. The lone survivor of a scientific expedition is found with gunpowder, secure shelter, and a relationship with the others who were on the island before them. Cold weather animals in warm tropical jungle, female lead with criminal past, cave dwellings with signs of riches, civilization, written warnings, and the use of flashbacks into regular life of each character. Now, I didn't, I, I've not watched Lost. I'm going to be admit, but I do know a little bit about it from talking to people, and this sounds like it. It does. I mean, I don't think you have to be a fan of the show. I mean, they show the trailers. You've read the concept on TV Guide or something like that. So. Uh, the, 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 everything was talking about the polar bear on the jungle island, of course. You know, you know. And so, there seems to be some legitimacy to his claim if what he's saying is true. If he has an old script, he may have a case. I yeah. mean, if he has a, something that could be proven that he he wrote this back in the seventies, yeah, he may have a case. It may not be just a uh, some some um, psycho just trying to get some money. Yeah. Doctor Horrible sing along blog. This is good news for Whedon, right? What's happening? Well, Doctor Blog is nominated for an Emmy, or is an Emmy? Yeah, so that's good. Nominated for an Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. It's like like you saying Doctor Blog. I'm saying Emmy. (laughs) (laughs) At least I didn't say Emma. 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 Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) He got nominated for an Emma. Good luck, (laughs) Doctor Horrible. (laughs) You are a doctor after all. Uh, Anyways. Uh, and he got they got nominated, and this is good news because sci-fi is getting a voice, and Whedon is finally getting some recognition here. Yeah, finally, he and you know, it. if you've listened to the show long enough, you know that we're Whedon fanboys, and uh, there's very little, you know, if Whedon says it, it must be true. And he got nominated in the outstanding special class section, which is a part of, I guess, the set, the actual. It was in that section. It got nominated in the short format live action entertainment category. That's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, there's there, there were uh, four other contenders, and these are the four other contenders. And we, of course, are going to be rooting uh, for uh, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog. But it would be Outstanding Special Class, a short format live action. Um, well, that's the title of it. Sorry, I'm repeating myself. 30 Rock, Kenneth, the webpage from NBC. Battlestar Galactica, the face of the enemy. Bruce Springsteen's Super Bowl halftime show, Dr. Horrible sing-along blog, and The Daily Show, The Daily Show Correspondence on Jon Stewart. So those are the uh, five contenders. And, um, yeah. Well, 
even if he doesn't win, it was nominated for an Emmy. That's you know now that, that's now it's, now it's you know Joss Whedon you know who got an Emmy nomination for Doctor Horrible. Uh, that's that's a huge. That, that's huge. That's beautiful. Yeah. So and, and I'm excited. Uh, Go! I'm waiting for the sequel. Bring it on, Joss. So yeah, this this is a good thing. Very good. All right. Well, let's move into the main part of our show. Tonight on the main agenda, the hot enchilada, whatever the heck you want to call this segment of the show that we're doing, hmm. we have it labeled as the meat of the show, like the main course, whatever, Dining at the Universe, you get it. Um, this will be the last time we promise that we're going to be geeking out on Shore Leave 31. No promises of Shore Leave 32, though. That's going to be coming up. Right. But uh, Shore Leave 31, uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about our experience there because obviously we're leading up to that. We want to give some resolution to that. But if you're like, come on, I live in the Netherlands. Why could I care less about Shore Leave 31? Well, uh, it's just our experience. And uh, you can just listen to the news, skip over this, and tune in next week where we have a lot of goodness coming. So. But uh, Shirley of 31, um, it had a lot of good, uh, good, good stuff there. I mean, if you, if you were a Stargate fan, Star Trek fan, um, there was a lot of, there was a lot there for you. Oh yeah, even if you were a Dollhouse, Star Wars, there was stuff there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna talk about that right here. Yeah. Uh, before I go too much further, we are gonna put a link in the show notes, which I'm not gonna give you here. The URL is pretty long for that article you wrote, right? Okay. Yeah, is it? Yeah. There's a URL. Uh, Miles did a review that is, it has video, it has pictures, it has clips in it. A great write-up of our experience in Shirley 31, just to compliment what we're talking here tonight. And I'll put that link in the show notes. And what website was that on? If you just Google uh, subspace communique, You'll you'll find it with no right. problem. It's going to be there, right? It's going to be there in some form or fashion. So, mm-hmm. um, so let's talk about just our initial thoughts about Shirley. Uh Wow, it was well. We were there the whole. I've never spent a full three days at a convention. So okay, normally now because you have gone to conventions, right? Yeah, I'm usually only there for a day at most. Okay, mm-hmm. now what was different about going all three days versus just the one? I didn't have to rush. Uh, there was there's so much to see and hear and participate in. Uh, you, you can't one day is not going to be enough. But but if you go there for you know for two days or better yet three days, a lot of times I mean the guests are going to be there for you know they're going to be doing uh, their own thing uh, each day. They have something on each day. So but there might be something else you might want to see at the same time. Well, if you go if you could space it out. You could experience more of uh, more things going on there. You'll be, you'll be able to see the guests that you want to see, and say there is a discussion uh, panel someplace in one of the rooms that you really want to uh, check out, or or there's another guest speaking. You know, say there's two guests you really like, but they're speaking at the, you know speaking at the same time, different they're rooms. Competing times, right? Exactly. So if, if you're only there for one day, you're gonna have to be be very choosy which one we want to do. So this gave you a lot more freedom to, to kind of say, well, I can see him tomorrow. I'm going to go to this instead. Exactly. Right. So well, that that's good. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was a con virgin. There was no way I you know it was you know I lost my virginity on this con. I guess so to say. Can we say that in the show? In a metaphorical sense. A metaphorical sense. Yes. Metaphorical sense. Anyway, so this was my first con. I love the fact that I went and experienced this. I love the fact that it was close by. 
that we could spend three days. I like the three days because it gave me a chance to say, well, okay, I want to see I want to see Christopher Heidendahl here. I want to see Miracle Laurie here. I ended up going to see him twice anyways. Mm-hmm. But I like the fact that I could go into different sessions, and they were all different, and there were these small panels around that you could go visit if you wanted. You, could, you had time to leisurely stroll through the vendors if you wanted to. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of goodness going around. You got to interact with the people there. Um, it was good. It was good. I, I liked it. And, and I, I hope to go back to Shore Leave next year. Right. Well, and I'm hoping uh, to go uh, – Farpoint will be probably at the same place next year also. And so um, it's great. I mean there's – you know, And we're signed up to go there. Excellent. At least, at least, at least, at least initially. Great. So. Um, but yeah, you get to meet people who are like-minded, have this, you know, same interests that, that you do. You could talk about, you know, you have, there's some great conversations about the shows you like or, you know, um, maybe the ones you don't like so much. But um, yeah, and, and it, the vendors had lots of stuff. I mean, from DVDs, T-shirts, uh, patches, toys, um, you know, season guides. I mean, they had everything. Mm-hmm. Re- really, they did. And uh, it was it was the organizer. You know, kudos to Mike Schilling and the other organizers of the event. You know, Ket, Ket who did the organizing, the guests, and there were tons of others that I just couldn't mention here on the show. But they put together, overall, overall, they put together a really good show. Absolutely. This was not, this was a, this was a fan-run con, so... The people who organized it, ran it. Um, it's a labor of love. It is. It is labor of love. They're not getting paid to do this, but they're they're fans like we are, and they want you know, they know what we want in a convention, yeah. and I, I think they delivered. Yeah, there were a few parts that I felt maybe fell through. We'll talk about those in a little bit, mm-hmm. but but when we say those things, understand we loved it. We had a great experience, and um, and we had a good time. Right, and looking forward to next year. Looking forward De- to seeing what, definitely. They, what they can do. With well, them. let's talk about what impressed us of the con. I guess maybe overall, because I'm going to be asking about best and worst guests and favorite and least favorite event, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was, what's the thing that impressed you about this con? You've been to, this is the first time you were here, first time I was at any con. Yeah. What impressed you? What impressed me the most, and I've seen this at other cons, but it's still a good thing. Um, the the avail the ability to really interact with the guests. Oh yeah, and by guests here we're typically meeting the guest stars. Like it could be stars of TV shows, it could be stars of movies, it could be you know authors that were there. A lot of Trek authors were here at this at this mm-hmm. convention, and you, you overall you were really able to just really connect with them. Right. I mean, if you go to a big con like that's held, you know, the big cons like uh, like Comic Con coming up in San Diego, right, and Dragon Con in, in um, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably a little harder because these places bring thousands of people, and there's just no. I mean, it, basically, all you could do is buy a picture, get an autograph. They they write real fast, and you just move on. That uh, Adrian Wilkinson was mentioning that a lot of those are pre-signed autographs. I mean, you order those; they aren't signed in front of you. You pick them up; they're signed by the signed by the guests. So in the, some there, cases. this is a very you know you, you could get personal with the guests, and it's uh, easier when you have a con of two thousand people. Right, you know, because that's about how many were there versus a con where you're bringing in fifty thousand people. You know, exactly. And so, I mean, I, I say that the smaller cons have a, you know, appeal to me more because just the availability of, uh, you know, you get to you know get some one on one time with the guests. Um, 
that you won't get. Now, this place will not, and Mike Schilling said this, we'll, we'll never get William Shatner or Patrick Stewart there, but you know, we'll get some of these other guests there, and um, and, and you get you know, you get a chance ch- chance to talk to them. Oh yeah. So I mean, it was good. I, as far as me, what I really liked, I liked the fact that uh, there was a lot of fan participation in this con. Mm-hmm. So it's, it wasn't just so much that it was fan run, but then there was fans when you went there running different stands for different charities. Fans running the panels, fans were running, um, you know, different dialogues that were going on. Now they still had their guest spots where they had guest speakers come in and uh, the actors would speak and so on. And I obviously liked that as well. But I did like the fact that it was very fan oriented. You, you you said something very important to the, the charities that uh, they were involved in. This wasn't just a place to make money. Uh, yeah. For the vendors to make money, or for the guests to make money selling autographs. I think creation ends up ends up feeling that way at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there was a couple different charities that were represented there, and some groups that were trying to raise money for yeah. charity. And well, since we're on to charities, let's talk about some of those charities. What were some of the charities that that uh, were being uh, we were talking about? And we're going to be interviewing some of these guys later in the show. Mm-hmm. Not maybe not today, but uh, but what well, were some of the charities? The Red Cross was represented. Um, they did this. Um, the Star Trek novel authors uh, did a roast for one of their fellow authors, uh, uh, Keith R. A. DeCandido. Um, but it was for charity, and uh, also they were uh, they, they had a blood drive there too. I mean, so they were making. They made, and I heard. Uh, I believe I heard they, they raised about thirteen hundred dollars there. But also, people there were kind enough to give blood. So right. So the Red Cross. Uh, um, benefited from this and then the uss sovereign had the stargate they put up phenomenal yeah. event but they were raising money for kids that were abused as kids and uh you know for a buck you could stand up get your picture taken in front of what really looked like a really nice replication of the Atlanta stargate beautiful yeah, absolutely yeah and uh robert ricardo had uh well this is a little more personal for him his cousin's grandson was born with brain cancer and so I don't remember exactly how the con it by itself raised money, but they raised uh, between them and this charity dinner. They had you, you could participate in this charity dinner with Robert Ricardo. Basically, you could have dinner with him at the end of the convention that later that evening um, for like fifty dollars. Um, and then he also you know sold some other things for charity. But this was to benefit his cousin's grandson. Um, for the family to help with the medical bills. They raised uh, $4,500. And that's awesome. I mean, mm-hmm. for a small con, people shelling out that sort of money. Right. And then there was, of course, the Klingon torture chamber. Right, right. The Klingon Miles, torture. Miles' personal favorite. My favorite of all, yeah, yes. Yeah, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. But they were raising money, Toys for Tots, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, which, you know, these these people, you know, dressed up in full regalia, you know, full Klingon costumes, mm-hmm. hotter than heck. Yes. It had to be, yeah. and uh, we're doing this to raise money for charity. And so fans and guests alike were trying to give back. Yeah, it wasn't just just for the sake of making money. I mean, it, that was there. It, it was there, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that at all by any means. I mean, guests are charging you know, 20 30 bucks for a picture and an autograph. I mean, mm-hmm. that the money part was there. Right, and, 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 and in no way am I saying that's a bad thing. Um, I mean, they, they, they have to make money or else these things can't exist. However... On the pl- on the positive side, um, there was a chance to do something right and do something uh, beneficial for those who are in need. You know, I think so much when we when we think of this, like, what did you call it? Uh, 
uh, this nerd, what do you call oh, it? Uh, Nerdvana. Yeah. So when you, when you think of an event like Nerdvana, like this, like uh, con, you think of geeks, you know, dressing up in their Spock costumes, you know, wearing their Jedi robes, mm-hmm. you know, dressing up Klingon and hanging out. Uh, and it seems to be a very self-gratifying, very self-centered event. And I think that these sort of charity events kind of turn that up on its head a little bit. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, seriously, because you, you see people that are actually opening their pocketbooks, not just to get the latest toys, to deck out their latest outfit, but also giving back a little bit. Mm-hmm. That people have, and I think what's really impressive in today's economy, you're seeing that. Exactly. And and you, we talk about, you know, people dressing up in costuming. So it gave them opportunity to enjoy what they love, but at the same time, this was a uh, a forum for them to do something for charity. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, mean, the, the, I mean, the Klingon group, you know, they still dressed up as Klingons, but in so doing, they're raising money for Toys for Tots. This, this U.S. Uh, sovereign, they were dressing up as, well, they also had a love for Stargate, and so they, you know, dressed up in their in Stargate you know, costumes. Yeah, a lot of Stargate people there, as far as dressed up, as far as costumes. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, while we're talking about it, what are some of your uh, favorite costumes from the uh, weekend? Well, um, I know it was me in my metal bikini, Princess Leia, I, I, I'm sitting pr- from a Jama. I am probably going to have to burn my eyes. Um, <laughs> but gouge him out with Luke's lightsaber. Yeah, to hopefully forget that. <laughs> uh, but no. Uh, but I, you, you didn't see him for a long time, but I thought you know the guy in the Darth Vader costume, that was very impressive. I'm sure this guy spent some bucks on that thing. Yeah. Uh, the Boba Fett costume... That yeah. was pretty pretty classy itself. So. Yeah. Um, I, thought, I thought Ed, we're going to interview Ed in, I don't know if it'll be a later podcast, but uh, Ed's Jedi outfit, his R2 unit, phenomenal. Right. Uh, he, look, he looked the real deal. Yeah. The, and the Klingons, I mean. Uh, oh, yeah. Especially the torture chamber looked real good. The, 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 the people dressed up as Klingons, um, and there's a picture of me um, in that Subspace Communique article of a Klingon uh, holding a knife to my chest. Uh, we, we got into a little... Misunderstanding, but we're, we're, we're buds now, so it's okay. But Miles with a shaved head and black he was wearing, you know, he mm-hmm. met him in the back alley and said, look, don't you ever do that again. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, it was threats. I mean, you saw how Hearn was threatened earlier. This is... You, this picture was only taken very briefly. It looks like I'm scared, but then what's not, what's not photographed is me, you know... Is what t- happened to the Klingon afterwards. Right. I mean, uh, then he had the scared look on his face. Right, right, right. right. Uh, it, it, it involves, you know, a foot on throat type thing, and we don't... Anyways, moving right along. Moving right along. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, Stargate... But their their outfits are really military-looking in a yeah. lot of cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff is probably available in your yeah. army surplus store yeah, as far right. as the... Uh, Alien Bounty Hunter from Star Wars. I don't know if you saw her running around. The, uh, the, the, the I saw the picture. The Changeling. Yep. I saw a picture. The Changeling was running around. Um, saw some people in Star Trek costumes. Oh, uh, well, yeah. There were some Trekkies there. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. Some Spocks running around. Some Imperial or Academy uniforms running around. And mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. I really loved the lady from the Masquerade that was dressed up in the Vulcan yeah. High Council. Yeah. Th- this this older lady, a uh, very authentic looking uh, Vulcan, you know. Costume a lot, lot, lot of popu- lot of um, people dressed up in the new Star Trek, um, the new Starfleet uniforms. Uh, right. Saw saw some people with uh, those. Uh, yeah, and they, they they look nice. Mm-hmm. Um, the Battlestar Galactica Viper pilot. Yeah, he. I I don't know if he spent made some, it or he, he bought it. Spent some money on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, which 
they had a masquerade that night. Uh, of so, a lot of these people spent a lot of effort and and and, and bucks on trying uh, on making some uh, authentic looking costumes. Yeah, for, so I mean, it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, any worse costumes? Um, there, there's one. There's there, one that I got to mention. Okay, and and it is. We were walking around Vendor Alley, and you're going to remember this. Vendor Alley, and there was a lady dressed up in a Padme outfit. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yes. The Padme outfit uh, from episode two, right before the, she gets chained up to a pillar in the middle of a geonosis or whatever it is. Yes. Uh, this lady should not have been in a two-piece outfit. Correct. N- yeah. Nothing against her, but there's just, you know. There's just, there are some outfits she should have worn. This was not one. Not one. And God bless her. You know. She had the outfit on. It looked like the outfit, but mm. it did not look like Padme. She, she, yeah, she couldn't make that work. No, she couldn't. She couldn't. What other ones were kind of uh, iffy? I, the, the guy that was walking around with the, the Klingon Vulcan mix or Romulan mix. Yeah, I eh, mean, look kind of. It was interesting, but you could, but I, you know, it, it did he look, tried. He, he tried. He he did try, and, I, and you know, he was he was having a good time. I could tell, but. You, you can see where the putty was being applied to hold some of those. Uh, and some of those people did a little bit better. Some of them, looked, it was almost professionally done. Yeah. It was like the, these people could have walked. They could have been an episode of Star Trek someplace. They looked look that good. Mm. Um, but, I mean, I'm trying to think what else probably didn't. Yeah. They, they made the effort, but it just wasn't the... Um, the best, but but if you go to these conventions, you'll see you'll see a lot of people put, pour their, their heart and soul into um, dressing up for for these cons, and some of these costumes, you know, look great. I mean, look like they, they came out of the movie or the show, and um, it, it looks it looks good. Right, right. Oh, by the way, those those two girls are wearing the diner the dining outfits. Do you know what show that's from? I do not know Roswell. Okay. Uh, apparently, apparently in Roswell, well, there was a, see there was an episode where these two girls, you know, had those outfits on. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Um, I've seen those girls at that convention before. Uh, they usually dress up as something. I saw they a couple years ago. They were dressed up as uh, Hogwarts students. Okay. Yeah. And they were dressed up. I, I guess on Friday they were dressed up as dolls, a doll and a handler. Okay. Yeah. I missed that one, but uh. <laughs> well, the only reason I know that is because Miracle. Saw them that day and said, "Hey, did you just come from work?" And the girls looked at her and kind of indignant said, "No." I said, "She's a doll and I'm her handler." Oh, I bet Miracle <laughs> loved that. I know she did. She retold that story from stage. It was really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, best worst guess. Let's talk about um, what were what were some of your favorite personal guests at the. I mean, you heard them speak. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about best guests to listen to in a session. Let's start with that. I, this is going to this is going to be obvious, uh, but for me, it was for it was Robert Picardo and Ethan Phillips. Uh, these guys uh, still have great chemistry, uh, you know, even you know, and they been, only appeared in sessions together, right? That is correct. They only did yeah, exactly. They were only in sessions together. They did a show. They did their house call show Friday night and, and Saturday and Sunday. They they each had their own session. Uh, so I probably enjoyed them the most because I mean, well, they were taking you know they were taking. Turns at uh, taking pot shots at each other, but I think Robert Ricardo was winning on that one. But uh, right. Ethan Phillips is a good sport. I mean, it, it works for them. Right, right. As far as the best session guest for me, 
I actually did not sit in on Ethan Phillips and Robert Picard, although I popped my hat in one time. I didn't sit in with Tail End Ronan, although apparently that was very good as well, mm-hmm. uh, from a Stargate Atlantis, if you don't aren't familiar with those names. Good Canadians, eh. Um, and then the, uh, but the ones I did said in Miracle Laurie, I loved her sessions. Mm-hmm. This, and I'm going to talk about why I loved her in, uh, regarding something else. But I loved sitting and hearing her sessions and Christopher uh, Heyerdahl was just a great entertainer. I mean, you want to see some entertaining clips, go to our Sci-Fi uh, Fanboys uh, YouTube page, and uh, you will find you will find clips of him speaking. You'll see how he works a crowd. He does does a great, entertaining job of working that crowd, and I love it. He, I would probably say he might have been the, the most fan-friendly guest they had the whole weekend. And especially with the sessions. But, well, let's, let's talk about this. Fan-friendly guest... Not only did he present in a couple of sessions, not, not only did he sit at his table multiple times talking to guests, but he also showed up at fan-run sessions. You know, he's, they're, they're running a session on Sanctuary, talking about this past season of Sanctuary. Mm-hmm. He showed up and just sat in the audience and then ended up in the front talking about it, but it was very informal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did the same for Supernatural. This is a guy who... Uh well, he he knows what side his bread his, his bread is buttered on. I mean, the fans are what this is all about. I mean, so he he's going to you know he you know he's just not going to stay behind his table the whole day. He's going to get out there with the crowd. If he's going to the convention, he wants to interact, right? And he actually came to the convention on the recommendation of Amanda Tapping. Okay, so I mean, the, the, I mean that's you know Sanctuary Girl, Stargate mm-hmm. Girl. You know, she uh, she recommended he came, and so that kind of what happened. That's kind of the way it all broke down. Mm-hmm. So that's um, he was probably the most fan friendly, and he was one of the ones I think he is what made uh, that. That just made it. That this made that did something for me seeing mm-hmm. him do that. Miracle Laurie the same way. I mean, we met Miracle when on Friday, right. and it was kind of low key, and we just kind of stood around talking to her. She added me to her Twitter friends, and mm-hmm. you know, and. Throughout the weekend, we would just sit there and chat and talk to her as we passed by. Very conversational, very low-key. And maybe it's because she's only doing Dollhouse and hasn't done a lot of other stuff, and therefore there's a lot of other people that don't know who she is. But I felt like she was very accessible. Exactly. I mean, well, she she remembered our names. I mean, she... Oh, yeah. She, uh... So it was... I mean, now she, you know... I mean, this woman's a TV star. I mean, she's, she's on... She's on a Friday night show, and, uh... But, uh... I think we made a friend that weekend. It was oh, great. Yeah. It, was, it was more than just us, ooh, guests, and here's the people interviewing us, although we were definitely that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was good. I really I really enjoyed it. Um, least favorite guest. And uh, by saying this, we aren't saying these people are terrible actors or that they didn't have a good time interacting with fans. But what were some guests that just didn't really hit off for you? That's a hard one. Um, yeah, how do you say this tactfully, right, in a way that kind of respects and honors a guest, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me start off. Jonathan Sheck. I like Jonathan. Mm-hmm. He, he was a great interview, but I will tell you that, um, and, and hopefully we'll play his interview sometime in the future here, but he just didn't seem that engaged. Yes, and, and, and this this may not have been the best venue for, for no. him. So behind him is a... That thing you do poster, mm-hmm. which is not sci-fi at all. He starred in some very minor sci-fi movies. Mo- and, and, well, mo- and mostly he's been doing the whole horror genre thing. Yeah, and so I mean, I guess, I guess he's a local boy. I think that was some of it. He grew up right around Baltimore. 
I think another guest for me that, that felt, and these were, this was not bad because I actually heard different views from other guests mm-hmm. and understand that this could have been just my perspective, where I was at, time and place, etc. But I thought Taylor, um, Rachel Luttrell, mm-hmm. and Jason Moma were not accessible, especially Jason. I didn't see Jason at a signing table one time. Now, he might have been there, right. but I didn't see him. Um, I did see Rachel a few times, but even then I felt like, and maybe it was more difficult with some of the bigger stars to have that little one-on-one interaction with the fans that we had, like with Miracle and Christopher and even Adrian there toward the end. Mm-hmm. And even with Clifton, um, you know, the people that we caught, the, these stars we kind of interacted with casually, it was maybe it was more difficult to do that if you're a bigger star. Uh, but I felt like I didn't see them as much uh, out and about. But. Right. I mean, with I mean, with John Sheck and Clifton uh, Collins Jr. Well, for Clifton Collins Jr., this this I think this is probably his first sci-fi role. Oh, I I, I think it, I think it was. Um, but uh, we, we talked to him a little, and. Uh, he was actually preparing for a part. He was doing, you know, he had some books at his table. He was doing some reading when he wasn't signing autographs. Um, now, I didn't get a chance to see their sessions, so I don't know how they went. Um, right. But this, you know, probably this, the, the, the sci-fi convention, probably not right up their alley, I would think. Yeah, that, that would be my guess, too. Although Clifton, I ended up, I wasn't too sure about him at the beginning of the weekend, but mm-hmm. toward the end, you know, we just kind of interacted. Uh, man rough around the edges and certainly willing to talk. Yeah, he, he was very nice to us. Don't get me wrong. I, I just uh, think, I could be wrong. This might be one of his first conventions. It could be. Um, I, I don't know about John Sheck's case. Uh, I don't know about... Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, t- I will tell you that there were a lot of people this was new uh, for Miracle Large, Second Convention, Christopher uh, Heyerdahl, Second Convention. Wow, a this- lot of a lot of really newcomers to the convention. Mm-hmm. Not so much for Adrian Wilkinson. She grew up in the uh, whole Xena franchise, and, and of course has gone to tons of cons because of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was really cool towards us, though. Oh right? man! Yeah. Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. It was really good interviewing her. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear that later on. We're just mm-hmm. excited about that. And she ended up being real nice and talking, and I got to hear some some sessions. And really, when Vanessa Angel, she was probably one of the older actors, just not counting, um, not counting uh, Robert Ricardo and Ethan Phillips, right? Uh, so a bit younger. Uh, the actors were a bit younger than her. She came, and uh, it was really good to meet her and interact with her as well. And I felt that she was accessible to a degree. She was very generous with her time. Um, she uh, personalized autograph for my younger brother, who was a fan of her movie uh, Kingpin. Yeah, um, she she was very you know. And by the way, in case you thought that all we cared about in the show was just our discussion of this, we got tons of goodies to give away to you guys in the upcoming shows. And so just be looking for them to come. Mm-hmm. A lot of these actors gave us some nice th- nice things for you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, they're, so they were very generous. Very generous, not only with their time and that. So really like that. Um, let me tell you another thing about the convention that I liked. Mm-hmm. Now, we just got done dissing some of the actors here. And it wasn't really dissing. They were just different experiences for us and some. Mm-hmm. I really liked, Miles, that the food at this convention was not exorbitantly priced. That is true. We ate, we, we said when we were going down, oh, let's hit a Panera Bread. Let's hit, let's go out to eat because it's yeah. going to be so expensive. We ended up, ended up having some awesome meals at, in, in the Cinnamon Tree restaurant there at Hunt Valley that was 
fairly inexpensive. You really couldn't. You yeah. really couldn't have done much more going to a Panera Bread or something like that. And and yeah, it, it may have been a little bit more, but you, it, you, what you save, and what you may spend more money, you save in convenience and time. Uh, yeah, you know, I was going to say convenience, definitely. You don't have to leave the place, so you're not going to miss anything. You could, you know, take 15, 20 minutes to eat, and then you could go to your next thing. Right. And they actually had a special stand at the lower level. You know, they were serving, you know. Chicken strips, burgers, hot dogs. Uh, all the healthy stuff you'll ever need. All, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> good good health food stuff. You know, you know, <laughs> no. For around nine bucks, you, you get, you know, um, a, a nice lunch or dinner uh, with, you know, with, with a drink also. Uh, so that made it very convenient. I mean, yeah. so that, 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 that helped the experience. You just, yeah. you know, you didn't have to leave the place, grab some food real quick and then come back. Yeah. Oh. Another thing that I really liked about this convention is we got to meet the Starship Farragut guys, and we actually hung out with them quite a bit. Exactly. I mean, we had we had a chance to interview John Broughton a couple months ago, and then we got to see him at the con. Uh, we met some of his other the other guys he works with there. Uh, they were they were generous. They gave us some of their DVDs, yep, uh, and they, were, they they premiered their animated episode or part of it. Mm-hmm. By the way, we got to remember to call that guy in the West Coast, the guy that's doing the animation for them. Yeah, it's it's his company's called Neo FX. Uh, he yeah. it's, it's his own uh, CGI company, and it's it's pretty good work. I mean, he's doing it stylized in the in the manner of the old film. We're we're going to talk about that more. We have to. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is not a fanboy podcast, but. We do pay homage to the fan, uh, the fan films that come out there, as you've noticed if you listen to any of our shows. Sure. And we would love to, you know, talk about uh, Neo FX and what mm-hmm. they're doing to help continue that. Well, these guys have to get. Everybody has to get started someplace. Oh yeah. And so the, these fan films, independent fan films, whatever, it's a great place to get started to uh, start your work and, and build a resume. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you know, and throw your all into it. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and some of the stuff makes you know. It gets out there. Um, I mean, Farragut has won a couple of awards for what they've done. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, a lot of people are finding out about what they're doing. Right, right. And, of course, one of the things that I got from Farragut. What did you get show? What is it? It is a classic Star Trek. It is. Communicator. I'm going to wake up my son if I don't watch it. But this is uh, the classic community. It's a toy. It's a toy, but it's very authentic looking. Yeah, it looks great. So I can walk around and like whip it out in school and pretend I'm talking to the principal or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, your, so, and, and your students are going to look at you very funny doing right, it too. Right, 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 right. Uh, most definitely. So I picked that up mm-hmm. uh, for free from them. I donated money to them because mm-hmm. they, were, they were good people. They were good people mm-hmm. all around. So anyways, I enjoyed the Farragut. Farragut people were great. Um, I enjoyed meeting uh, John Drew from the uh, from the Chronic Rift. If you haven't listened to this podcast, we'll probably play their bumper sometime in the upcoming shows. But Chronic Rift podcast, he was just real down to earth. Their <coughs> podcast focuses more, I believe, on some of the audiobooks, some of the other things that go on here. Mm-hmm. And so, right, and one of their regular uh, contributors, uh, Keith uh, uh, DeCandido, he's he is a. Uh, He's a he's a Star Trek novel uh, author, right? So I mean, they, they're very much into the literature end of things mm-hmm. more than maybe the news, the science fiction, television, and movies type mm-hmm. thing. Although they talk about that sometimes, mm-hmm. but it was great meeting him. Yeah, and, and for me, I'm a regular reader of the Star Trek novels. They had lots of authors for, from the from the Star Trek novels uh, there uh, this weekend, so I got a chance to talk to them. Yeah. Got to see one of their panels. They talked about the, uh, the, the Star mm-hmm. Trek movie. Yeah. Most of them loved it. They, uh, one of them said, uh, 
that that uh, that this this movie gave uh, Star Trek Viagra. Right. Oh yeah, which is a good way of putting it. Right. Oh, uh, by the way, we do got to get Dayton Ward on uh, because we, we probably maybe even Keith, I'm sure, would do that sometime for us. Yeah, I'm sure they would. Uh, they're, they're very down to earth guys, but um, they're they're heavy hitters in, in when it comes to the sci fi literature. And they aren't there. and they aren't just writing for Star Trek. Some of them no. are, I mean, right? But some of that. But there's a lot of other books that they've written as well. Well, I know Keith, uh, Keith Dan Keith Dito has written books. Um, well, he wrote the novel novelized version for uh, for Serenity. And then Farscape, the Farscape, he's done some Farscape comic books and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So some good stuff there. So, yeah, this this convention has something to offer to any yeah. sci-fi fan. And when we say any sci-fi fan, we mean any sci-fi fan. Yeah, that's... Miles was hoping we would avoid talking about this. Like the plague. But, but, but I guess we have to, you know... Well, if, if you're going to talk about it, uh, they, they try to appeal to all people. And so there's this, this, there must be, although I was totally <coughs> caught me off guard, a whole subgroup of... Of the gay and lesbian, bisexual, transsexual, is that is that the right um, a subculture that exists that uh, that appeared at this convention? Mm-hmm. They had their own panel discussion the one time. I did not go to it, so I don't know much about it. But uh, one of the things that maybe disturbed me, and maybe this this comes from my upbringing more than anything, if I'm taking kids to this convention, Miles, yes, um, we were walking through that that vendor section mm-hmm. and kind of got slapped upside the head because of what they had this, uh, fan made homoerotic literature, right. of uh, some of the popular sci-fi. Yeah. So some Kirk and Spock action. Yes. Yeah, there, or, uh, you know, you know, Colonel Neal and, and, uh, Daniel Jackson action. You know, it was just, okay, come on. It was just a bit much. Number one, I'm okay. I, it's not not my thing, all right? Um, if you want to create your own franchise and do your own movies with that, fine. But don't take the characters that I know are not that and create it, turn them into something they're not. That was my feeling about it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, number one, these are the popular characters, and you're saying, come on. This does not exist in our universe. No, it, 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 it is it's totally a different timeline. And I understand that they've created different timelines for these stories, but this is not even in, this is certainly not canon and it's certainly fantasy. And it's nothing that just, does, it just didn't do anything. And disturbed me more than anything, I think. Um, what, and uh, yeah. just not for me. Not for me either. What troubled me was this was, I think this tried to appear. I mean, like we said, it is for everybody. But they have to kind of keep it family friendly, right? And um, the you know you didn't have to look hard at these at these publications to see what it was. A quick glance is like, oh my gosh! You know? Yeah, so like we're walking down. Oh, look, there's necklaces. Oh, there's some you know Star Wars action figures. And there's homoerotic yeah, lyrics. Well, yeah, yeah, it's scarring, scarring, gouge out the eyes. No, yeah, know, but, um, but it, it was not just in one place. There, there were it was at three different tables. So yeah. it was you, you couldn't get away from it. Right. Okay, pass that game. Ah! <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you know, I, I realize this this play, this convention tr- tr- caters to everybody, but they need to think this place has kid little kids. Pe- people are taking their children with them. I guess there's people that argue that little kids should be exposed to this as well. Well, I, 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 I don't. Agree that's with that. not, it's not not my uh, certainly not my opinion of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I suppose I'm, someone might argue and. 
if you're listening to this podcast and have a different opinion, you have a right to that opinion. This is America. Uh, this is America. Mm-hmm. And go create your own podcast about it. But uh, <laughs> I didn't even check. There might even be podcasts out there on that. Mm-hmm. But that's not. But uh, just not my not, not my cup of tea, and certainly wasn't what I was expecting. It should have been more discreet. I mean, yeah. it, it should have been or maybe all together. So like you, you like, oh, there's that corner. You just walk away from it. I don't know. Well, I mean, even some of the the booths sold DVDs. I mean, they sold some adult stuff, but I think they kind of kept it. Well, yeah, they kept it hidden. They were the. I mean, it was adult. You could, you'd tell it was there if you really cared about that. You mm-hmm. could sift through them, but uh, it wasn't out in the open. I mean, they had even a sign saying nobody allowed under eighteen to yeah. buy this. Stuff. And so I think that would have been much more appropriate. You just got. You know, uh, vendors just, just just think that there are there are going to be little kids here. Mm-hmm. They don't need to be exposed to this stuff. Yeah, um, that that that's probably the one thing I didn't like about this. Uh, yeah. I didn't see this at uh, the other Farpoint conventions yeah. either. Um, I think one of the other things that we struggle with a little bit with this convention is Saturday night. Uh, they they did the masquerade, mm-hmm. and then they had these little skits who were performing that I guess were entertaining in the right. But uh, maybe it was just that we were tired. Miles and I felt around 9 o'clock at night, things had wound down. And we knew there were things to come, but they weren't slated to – everything was running late. And they weren't mm-hmm. slated to begin till 11 o'clock at night. And, you know, we were interviewing Miracle at 9 o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And we didn't want to stick around. And I felt like there was a little bit – there wasn't enough to do Saturday night. Right. I would have liked it if after 9 o'clock – they would have had more things going on. We don't maybe, maybe, there were, maybe there were multiple tracks of things. Like oh, the whole the whole weekend, they had like every t- at any given time there were seven different things you could have been doing. Mm-hmm. But Saturday night it was masquerade or bust. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so I felt like that maybe pension hold it a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, if you were not staying, I mean, if you're staying at the hotel, you know, you had the option of going to your room, rest for an hour or so, and then come back for the uh, for the other things that are going on. But if you're not staying, you know, it's you had to wait a little while for things to yeah. go on. Yeah. Uh, so may- maybe next year, maybe keep things moving a little more on, on a Saturday night. Yeah, it yeah. seemed Friday night they had no problem with that. No, and um, and uh, during the day you didn't have any problem with that. No, there was no lull in anything. Things uh, things were still moving. Yeah. So you know, kudos to the way they structured the convention. Again, you know, we're, we're kind of dogging here a little bit in the convention, a little bit at the end of our. Uh, at the end of this section of a podcast, but understand, we loved Shirley. Absolutely, we, we loved the people we met. Mm-hmm. I made some great contacts, both both with actors and actresses, but then also with 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 some writers. Um, I've been in contact with a bunch of the people I met at Shirley, just just other fans like you and I, um, and and we were excited. They did a really good thing. We were it was it was it was definitely a dream being there. My hats off to all the people. The uh, the volunteers that that made this happen, uh, to the vendors, um, to um, the guests that that were there for it, uh, the writers, uh, the, the clubs. Uh, this was a great convention. I'm not you know, it's a little bit of criticism. You know, it, it, we're not hating on it at all. We, we love uh, surely surely 31 was was awesome. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I think that's it. Let's, yeah. While we move into our trivia. Okay. Okay, here is our trivia. Miles is our trivia man. 
Miles, what is the trivia for tonight? Okay, this uh, week's trivia, uh, since we've been talking a lot about Warehouse, Warehouse 13, I think it'd be appropriate if we, we, stu- we stuck with that theme. Uh, what character in Warehouse 13, and what's the actor's name, uh, who played, a, who, had a star- who had a guest starring role in an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation? Yeah. So if you know this answer... You need to you need to contact us. I mean, there's no excuse. I mean, if you're really the geek you guys say you are, you need to be contacting us. So and how can you do that? A ton of different ways. There's lots of ways to get a hold there's of us. There's lots of ways. There's no excuse. You can email us if you still use email. Zogpod, Z-O-G-P-O-D, at gmail.com. That'll get to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, how can they contact you? Uh, I have a Twitter account, Son of Wharf, uh, on Twitter. Also, I am on Trekspace. Son of Wharf on Trek Space. Yeah, so can't, can't forget that. Son of Wharf. Here we go. Mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter, H E R T Z O G. You can get a hold of me there. Mm-hmm. You can even call toll free, toll free to the show. Doesn't cost you a cent, cost me, not you, a cent. Uh, at 1 888 508 4343. You can call and leave a voicemail message and we'll play it. By the way, you can do that for any reviews you have of any TV shows you're watching, any movies, as long as they're sci fi. We don't want to hear reviews of Desperate Housewives. Absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miles might, but I don't. I'll just forward them to Miles. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate yeah, yeah, yeah. that. So, Miles, send, send Miles lots of love. Desperate Housewives. Desperate Housewives. Yeah, yeah. I tell you. Anyways, so I believe that's it for tonight. Uh, as always, you can visit our show at um, diningattheintheuniverse.com. And that'll take you to our site. You can get show notes. There's clips, video clips, music, everything at our site. Stuff and shore leave at the site that you can mm-hmm. visit. Find all sorts of goodness there. But I believe that's it. So uh, I'll see you next week. Until then, good night and good luck. <laughs>